today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to swing back to the other issue that, that is on everybody's minds these days, and of course that is uh, health care, but also benefits for health care and access to health care. Uh, millions of workers here in Ontario have no access to supplemental health and dental benefits uh, that reimburse most costs for prescription drugs. Well, there may be a solution for all of this, and the Ontario government is uh, is looking into, I think, a very interesting program uh, called Portable Health Benefits and how this is going to work. Uh, I want to bring uh, our next guest into this. Chris Bonnet is an author of a piece uh, with the C.D. Howe Institute and principal consultant with H3 Consulting. Uh, Chris, first of all, thank you for the time. Good to have you with us today. Well, hello, Bill, and thanks very much for having me on your show. I'm happy well, to have a very chance to talk about this. Yeah, it's very timely. I, I think a, a lot of people would be surprised uh, how f- few people actually in the workforce these days who may well be gainfully employed uh, don't have access to some of the benefit packages. I mean, a lot of us, I think, just kind of took this for granted some years ago, but the, 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 the workforce itself has changed. There are a lot more private contractors, people working for themselves uh, and under contract situations, uh, maybe where they don't have any benefits at all. And uh, and let's face it, uh, we still have to have access to the system, and it can be a costly uh, process. But t- talk to us about the, what you've written about here with portable health benefits. Sure. Well, portable health benefits are a lot like the employer-sponsored health and dental plans that lots of people get through their work. But traditional benefits are designed and funded by a specific employer. You get them only while you or your spouse work there. They vary in scope, they vary in quality, and if you're not a permanent full-time employee, you're probably not eligible. To your earlier point, roughly 30% of Ontarians don't have access to these plans. Now that's three and a half to five million of us. That's one of the surprising things as I researched this report. That's a pretty big number and it's a bigger one than I was anticipating. The difference and the advantage of a portable plan is that they follow you from workplace to workplace, just as the name implies. They're aimed at workers with no benefits. So people that are self-employed or in temporary part-time or contract or gig workers, these plans have never been introduced in Canada. So this is kind of a novel approach by the Ontario government to figure out whether they could work here and whether they'll fill some important gaps so that more people can get access to things like drugs dental, vision care, mental health services, things that are essential, uh, things that, as to your earlier point, we kind of take for granted. Absolutely. Now, it sounds like this this wonderful idea, and I, I read the paper last night, and I was impressed by this. Uh, and as you mentioned, this is something, it's not a brand new idea. It's been tried in other jurisdictions. But how would it fit into the Ontario plan? What we have here, maybe what a lot of us are used to, Chris. Are there, you know, we've, we've got OHIP here, and we figured, well, do mm-hmm. we really need this? And, and if so... Uh, how does this work? How, some kind of a partnership would have to be developed here that's going to have to also recognize what exists in their system already. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I think what we're aiming for here is to spark a conversation about the gaps in coverage. As you know, Medicare in Canada, well, it's, it's, uh, it's gone on for some decades. Uh, we have a very deep but narrow kind of public coverage. And by that, I mean, well, we have almost first dollar coverage for things like hospitals and uh, physician services. Uh, but those two categories now consume less than 40% of all healthcare spending. That compares to about 60% back in 1984 when the Canada Health Act was first passed. So the world has changed. A lot's changed in 40 years, in fact. And health benefits play an important kind of stopgap role. They fill in a lot of the things that governments don't cover. And those aren't fringe things. Again, they're essential kinds of benefits. So the the 
goal we have with a portable plan is that it fits with Medicare. It coordinates with existing employer-sponsored coverage. In fact, portable benefits, as I mentioned, are really just for people that don't have coverage uh, from, from their employer. So there's a lot of those people and they've kind of been forgotten and yet their needs are just as important as everybody else that does have that kind of coverage. And uh, there's no one size fits all here because I mean, there, as you say, there's so many variables these days. Uh, do you automatically qualify? I mean, if you've got a plan, a portable plan, uh, and for one reason or another, for instance, your employer uh, is okay, doesn't cover this, this benefit anymore, whatever the case might be, or decreases the coverage on dental or, or prescription drugs or something like that. Can you automatically just get rolled into this or do you have to make application? How would something like that work? Well, that's a great question because, of course, we have people that move in and out of jobs, uh, move in and out of employers that have benefits or don't have benefits or have different benefits. So the transitions between uh, these existing types of coverage and between how workers actually live in the real world, um, we've talked about that a little bit in the in the report, but a lot of that is things that we really have to get all of the stakeholders in the same room to discuss so that it it's seamless in, as far as the employee or the the worker or the, the the worker's family is concerned. It's easy to move in and between, but what we'd like to eliminate, I suppose, is overlap in coverage so that you get your coverage from your employer, great. Um, you'll get other things as we always have from OHIP, um, but if you're in need of coverages that aren't available, well, um, you know, maybe that's where you could get potentially drugs or other health focused benefits from your employer, maybe a dental plan from uh, this portable plan. All that kind of remains to be figured out. And we need a lot of other voices at the table to have those discussions and figure out, how, again, how to make it as simple as possible, but make it financially sustainable for all of the parties that are paying the costs here. Yeah, because there's so many different circumstances. I mean, I, I know there's some corporations, for instance, that, that have a, an age limit on, on benefits. And once you attain that, you can still work for them. You're still employed, but, but you're not covered anymore, uh, which can be a rather daunting experience for somebody, at, you know, if they're of that age uh, to go and find themselves a plan. It looks like this might actually solve a lot of those concerns. I think it could. Um, you know, often it's, it's a disability coverage that might be limited as you get to 65. Sometimes if you have a claim late in your career, well, you might only get a two-year benefit. So this plan from the provincial government is focused on medical and dental, not on disability or workers' comp or life insurance or anything else. But I think that's the idea that we try to figure out how to um, tailor this so that it meets needs. And, um, you know, if as is the case now, so many people are working beyond age 65. As long as you've got a good, in actuarial terms, spread of risk. So in other words, you've got people of all different kinds of health status, all kinds of different needs, that sort of large foundation of people helps even out, spread the costs around and makes cost increases year by year, a little more predictable and a little more manageable. So again, all this is sort of background that has to be figured out. And you know, the good news is we've got lots of experience with this stuff. This is very similar to plans that have been operated by insurers for decades now. They've got this information and a lot of this is, is simply building on what we already have. And as you say, you have to 
almost a, it's going to be custom made. Uh, as you know, if you've got somebody who's who's over sixty five who's still fully employed, uh, they may not qualify for these benefits. But you know, maybe, maybe there's a package here with that they accommodate them for things like prescription drugs and things of this nature. Uh, but and and but that has to be as you mentioned. Uh, compared and contrasted with other coverage that seniors may be eligible for too. So it's, it's not really just blanket. You're going to have to look at your individual situation, I would think. Yeah. Well, let me give you an example around vision care, for instance, but we've got data that suggests that about 40% of Canadians and I'll assume 40% of Ontarians um, report that they need glasses or some kind of corrective lens. We know that OHIP will pay for eye exams, but only for seniors and for children. OHIP doesn't pay for those lenses. They don't pay for any of the diagnostics that you can get from an optometrist, for instance. So the result is that patients pay most of their own vision care costs. Well, this plan would help fill that gap. As you know, or you may know, um, I've got glasses, you can't see me, but they're hundreds of dollars. That all comes out of my pocket right now because I don't have insurance for it. So this is the kind of gap that we see in, in traditional coverage and, and in the way it's been. A portable plan, I think, allows you to rethink what we have, tailor it more to the needs of the workforce, help manage the costs by spreading them around from uh, between employers, governments, and the workers themselves, all those three parties pay a share, and that helps make it more manageable for any and all of them. How close are we? How, how, where's the government on this now? Are they just thinking about this? Are they exploring it? Are they are they formulating a plan? Where, where are we in that process? Well, it's uh, as you mentioned just at, in your opening comments, Bill, there, there has been an advisory panel that was struck a year ago last February. It is to report by the end of this summer. So they had 18 months to gather information, organize it, and, and kind of give some advice to the Minister of Labor, Immigration, Training and Skills Development. Um, so my sense is that, the, well, the first thing is to get the report out. Um, that'll be put into the, the minister. The minister will then have to presumably share that with uh, cabinet. Decisions will be made. This won't be a simple thing, but it is an important thing to start. As we hear so often, you know, it would have been better to do this yesterday but the next best time to start would be today or tomorrow. So it, it's a ways off. These things take time to plan. There are a lot of people to consult. There's a lot of money at stake too. There's, you know, if we say three and a half to 5 million people. We've got a few billion dollars in expenditures to manage. But again, the good news is there's those costs are spread around. They're offset a little bit, even by federal government spending on, on that new dental plan, on existing investments in mental health and so on. So it is manageable, but I would guess a couple of years, maybe three years to sort of put this in place. I think it should be piloted first so that we know what we're doing before we have a big rollout and uh, sort of work out the, the kinks in a much smaller, more controlled environment. Yeah, it's a fascinating idea, fascinating concept. And uh, the fact that the government's uh, even considering this and looking toward it, I think, is, is very encouraging as well. Chris, thank you so Absolutely. much for, uh, for, first of all, doing the research on this. And thanks for spending some time with us today. Well, I'm really pleased. Thanks for uh, drawing some attention to this, Bill. It's good to talk to you. And uh, obviously, we'd uh, love to get any feedback from anybody who can pick up the report on the C.D. Howe Institute website. Thanks very exactly. much. Exactly. Thanks again, Chris. Have a good day. You too. Chris Bonnet, uh, author of this piece, of course, for the C.D. Howe Institute. And as Chris said, you can go to the webpage and get some more details on that. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.